Rian, there are what how's that song go? Five hundred something, six hundred minutes, whatever. Five five hundred um, twenty-five thousand six hundred yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how many minutes I feel as though I've aged in like the last two weeks of being a soccer fan. Just in general, watching some of these games that have unfolded, especially in Spain. Um I've I've aged by that many minutes in the span of two weeks. Which is definitely not the equivalent of two weeks worth of minutes. So, anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, Rian and I are back after our hundredth episode. We're now on one hundred and one, and we're talking a little bit of La Liga. Rian, how you doing this fine Thursday evening? It's a Thursday evening in which I didn't get to. Um, I just realized this, and Rian, Rian and I were talking about it. I didn't get to watch The Bachelor this week. Yeah, uh, it's a yes, sad, yes. sad week when my roommate's <laughs> gone and and does not get to turn it on, and I don't get to watch with. So, yeah, missed it, but apparently it's nothing fun. But anyway, how's how's your week, buddy? Good, good. I mean, the, the episode that you missed was just like the women tell all. I think so. Kind oh, that's of, right. Uh, reunion of of the girls who have been sent home, and um, obviously that was, as you'd expect, it was a lot, and <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And yeah, people, a lot of people trying to save face because they've probably been getting a fair amount of internet abuse for how mean they looked on TV. So, um, <laughs> past that, no, the week's been good. Um, today was better than the rest of the week because I watched, uh, Chelsea extend Liverpool's mm. losing run at home to five straight losses at Anfield now. And, uh, I mean, it's huge. 10 hours one, without huge a goal. One. Ten hours without a goal. Yep. Um, from goodness. from open play. From yeah, from open play. Yeah, which is yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, just some stunning stuff we're seeing from from uh, last year's champions and and a lot of really good signs for for Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel so so far. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, good. You had yourself a you had yourself a day. Meanwhile, <laughs> I uh, I also had myself a day yesterday. Um, we're recording this on Thursday, but I had myself a day yesterday because I think, I think yesterday in the Barcelona Sevilla game was a top five moment for me as a Barcelona fan. And I'm not, I am not trying to exaggerate that. I'm, I mean that very genuinely. So anyway, Rian, let's talk a little uh let's talk a little Barcelona to start off in our La Liga podcast as you can probably tell from the way I'm speaking I'm grinning quite uh quite heavily right now um of course Barcelona coming off two back-to-back -back wins against Sevilla one in the league and one in the Copa del, del Rey semi-final second leg to take them through to the final after winning 3-0 at home 3-2 on aggregate a goal in the 94th minute by PK to send it to extra time and Lord Martin Brathwaite, of course, taking us through <laughs> in extra time with a, with a nice header. So, Rian, let's start with the game against Sevilla um, over the weekend. Let's start with the league game. A new, um, just a completely new setup from Ronald Koeman. I mean, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean... So, so just apart from the setup, I mean, I loved the intensity of this game against Sevilla. Now, there were, I think, four yellow cards in the first half. Um, or, yeah, four yellow cards. Three of them to Sevilla, one of them to Lionel Messi. But overall, this game was really, really scrappy and, and really intense in the midfield, which, you know, as someone who doesn't watch as much of La Liga as Elias, is not a stereotype that was in my mind for many of these... Uh, in for the intense games outside of the big three playing, I should say. Um, but no, it was great. And and it was great to see how Barcelona dealt with that too, because a very different type of game for this team, right? They, I, I don't know how much they've been tested or how many times they've succeeded over this season when they've been put under pressure and, and made, in, made into a more physical game. Right. Uh, and I think this was like a really good step for them. And, and I think as a whole, the team is 
trending in the right direction. You're talking about a team that hasn't lost since December 5th to Cadiz. And this past weekend's win against Sevilla made it 15 straight unbeaten in the league. And, you know, things are only positive right now. Uh, obviously, outside. <laughs> Sorry. I should say things yes, on yes, the field only. are positive right now. <laughs> um, Good answer. Outside Good of answer. the criminal activity that <laughs> is going on. <laughs> Uh, um, in the upper level management, but no, um, it, it's got to be really encouraging because they're. I think we've talked about this before. The foundation is there for a good team, right? And um, and I do have to give credit to Ronald Koeman as well. I know we we've clowned on him a few times before, but he has to get some credit. Yeah. He has to get some credit for for the way that this team has not ever seen like they were giving up if if that makes sense they've never seemed like in games where they've been outplayed it's never necessarily seemed like oh the effort isn't there right and i think for the for the entirety of the season the effort's been there and that comes with playing more of the youth players more of the um, academy grads and just the younger players and there's kind of reaping the benefits of it recently so i I think this team is in a great spot going forward. Um, I still can't see them catching Atletico uh, for the rest till the end of the season, but I think I look back and Elias's claim that Real Madrid had a worse summer looks slightly less crazy. Um, it's still, it was still crazy in the moment, obviously it, it, it's insane. It was still insane. Like no matter what, it was still an insane claim to make. Um, but, yeah, but I had the long view. Right, right. Yeah. You, yeah, you knew that, that Barca would be forced into playing their, their younger players because guys like Coutinho and, and Pjanic are not going to work out. Of course. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think it's gotta be all encouraging. Right. Um, I, like I said, I, I'm not high on their chances with La Liga, but Elias is is what you've been seeing recently or in the last week or so. Are you gaining encouragement for the second leg um, against PSG? Uh, oh, okay. Well, before oh my God, we before we even get to that, <laughs> that's that's a whole other loaded piece of this. Um, but I just want to point out probably the biggest thing that I took away from not just the Sevilla game over the weekend, but also midweek. It, th- this team has <clears throat> a new kind of rejuvenated sense of identity. And that's not something we saw under Setien. It's not something we saw under Valverde. It's been missing for years from this team. It's this idea that this team is passionate. They have a desire to to truly win. I'm not saying that didn't exist, but th- this team in prior situations, if down, uh, I don't know, a man, or if they went down a goal more particularly, it felt like that any game could completely get away from them, right? And I think even more so in Europe. Hell, we saw it against PSG a few weeks ago. It They went one goal, you know, level with PSG, and from there, everything collapsed. But this Sevilla game was different, and I just... I want to point out how good Sevilla have been in the league. They've gone on a run of, I believe, not conceding in the last uh, almost five or six games uh, against anybody. And to go put five past Sevilla and keep clean sheets in both games is unbelievable confidence from this this side right now. And that's what I think is going to, hopefully propel and carry Barcelona forward throughout the rest of the season because this team genuinely looks with this new 3-5-2 type structure looks like they could beat any La Liga team right now and notice that I said any La Liga team because (laughs) Europe is different but I'm very very encouraged from what I've seen not just because they were massive wins but it's the way that they went out and did that so Rian ultimate question a PSG comeback. Um, that's that's hard. I don't I don't think that's going to be. <laughs> I have to be honest, right? Because 
Neymar is going to be out more than likely for the second leg. Um, Di Maria will probably be around, uh, or actually may may not be around um, due to injury. And Mbappe, I think, will still be fine. But players like Verratti and uh, some of their other starters did get a rest this past weekend in Liga um, and, and made it two out of the next, I believe, 10 games in the Liga that they need to win in order to actually win the title. So both teams are in league fights. PSG are definitely the stronger side and obviously have a massive <laughs> momentum heading into the, to the second leg. But I would be, I don't think I'd be doing myself or this team a service if I wasn't pointing out that I feel more confident about this team scoring goals against PSG through the run of play in the second leg versus first, right? In the first leg, we saw them, uh, this Barcelona side hadn't lost in several weeks, right? They, they were on a, a basically a 10-game, 12-game uh, beaten run in the league, and they went and got pummeled in Europe. That is, that's a that's a mental thing. So this PSG tie, the second leg does feel a little different. I just don't think it's going to be enough to overcome um, you know, the, the first leg deficit, because you, you go to Paris, you have to score four goals unanswered in order to get through that. That's assuming PSG does not score one goal at home. And I, I don't foresee any, either of those happening. <laughs> yeah, it, it will be tough. I, I do again, want to throw some credit to Rado Kuman for this formation change too, because it really does get the best out of I think it's the best out of Serginho Dest because it kind of gives him the security blanket of Mingueza, who's playing on that right side center back. And, you know, we talked about how Serginho had had tough time against Kylian Mbappe, and that's that's actually not weird at all because a lot of of players are going to have a tough time against him. What a concept. Um, But... (laughs) But... you know, his defensive side is the side he needs to work on as a player. And I think the three five two fits him extremely well now because he's able to focus more on being basically like an auxiliary winger in this in this team. And I think it's done wonders for Jordi Alba as well, too. I, I think he's taken that position on the left side of, of the, or the left wing back position really, really well. Um and so, yeah, cr- again, credit to to Kuman and and an adaptability. And and at no point this season, if you would have told me that Barcelona were going to succeed at the three back, three in the back formation, I, I would have, I wouldn't have believed you. I'll just put it that way. So, um, I don't know. From from there, at least, should we move on to their rivals in Madrid? Well, yes, we we definitely should. The last point that I would make, though. Uh, on Barcelona is any sort of chance of winning La Liga is, in my opinion, very real now. Not because of just run of form, but I think A, being Sevilla is a massive step. B, Real Madrid dropping points against Real Sociedad, which we'll get to in a minute, also massive. Not to mention, Barcelona still have yet to play Atleti and Real Madrid in the second half of the season. So, basically, even as things stand now, the the entirety of La Liga is, is completely up in the air. Granted, the Madrid derby this weekend is going to make a massive, massive difference to the title race. So, with that, yes, Rian, let's let's move over to uh, the arch nemesis that is Real Madrid. Um, of course, like I just mentioned, dropping points against Real Sociedad on Monday in a very rare Monday fixture for for them. But this team looked out of its depth completely. Like, it did not look like a team that was going to win this game. I mean, obviously they did not. But it, it's it's definitely interesting, and there's a narrative around their lineup and who exactly uh, who exactly played versus the scoreline, right? They started a front line of Marcus Asensio, uh, Mariano Diaz, and Isco, and you had your classic Montrez Casemiro Kroos, but... No Benzema, no Sergio Ramos, obviously still both due to injury. It's concerning. It, it has to be concerning. And I, I've said this for weeks and for weeks and for months. Without those two players, Real Madrid looked like a semi-average side. 
And it only by basically the <laughs> by Luka Modric dragging this team forward completely due to individual skill has Real Madrid basically survived in key games this season. But it kind of caught up to them this this weekend. Yeah, and I, for me, a lot of the times watching Madrid now, I, I know I kind of went. I feel like I went on a rant in the last in the last La Liga episode where it's just like this team's not interesting at all, and I don't even really like watching them that much. I think it's just like every scoring chance and and, and a lot of their goals. It's just a lot of hard work, right? They're, nothing is being created easily and i mean i i just don't know i i don't know where that extra like 15 percent of quality of of final third quality of efficiency comes from if it's not from like you said sergio ramos or um karen benzema so it, it, they just feel very toothless up top, and they're just not not creating, I think, easy enough chances or repeatable chances for themselves. It's, it, it's tough because in this game specifically, right? Real Madrid goals did outweigh, um, you know, Real Sociedad's. It was Real Madrid was basically two. 1.99 to be exact, and Real Sociedad's at 1.22. Um, but in some ways, you never really felt like Real Madrid had control, kind of like you were mentioning of this game. Sociedad had one great chance by Porto, who of course scored the, the first goal and the only goal for Sociedad. And then minutes later, is uh, not Isco, Alexander Isak easily could have put another goal um, to, to make it 2-0 against Real Madrid. And it's that level of control that I think they're missing, not necessarily from the midfield, but in terms of actually completing those those attacking chances. Because shooting from outside the box and having, I think they had a total of eight goals from outside the box, or eight, eight, goal, eight shots outside the box that were not on target, they were either blocked or, or just way off. But... The ones that they had in the box, right? A Lucas Vasquez header and, well, the Venetia's goal, um, or I should say the Mariano header, those were the chances that they needed to finish in order to win this game. And they didn't. The rest of the, the chances they had were, again, block shots and they weren't, they weren't that creative. But the small chances that they did have, this team is not taking. And I think that's a larger problem with who they're playing. And who they're signing, which again goes back to what I said last summer. I think Real Madrid did have the worst summer out of all the top teams in La Liga. But more importantly, the players that they have. Well, the, are... uh, well they couldn't have had a worse summer than Valencia. Uh, oh my <laughs> that's, oh my that's, God, that's, that is true. literally impossible. <laughs> that's dead. Yeah, no, no, no. Unless you basically sell the team, you can't have a, yeah, a which worse season. Valencia but, was yeah, trying to do with their most valuable players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on like a bargain, too, like discounted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a flash sale. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But Real, Real Madrid need to, to replenish this squad in the summer. I know they've been saving money during COVID and everything. They need to spend it this summer. I hope I hope that Florentino Perez has that plan because if he doesn't, this team could really start to to go sour in about a year, half a year uh, to maybe eight months' time. Yeah, and, and I think like what you're saying about them not being able to finish those chances, that kind of harps into my point there of like that 15, 10 to 15% of efficiency in the final third, which they're missing, which they're always, almost always missing when Karen Benzema is, is not in the squad, but lends itself to a bigger problem. Like, why are they not able to, well, I, I, I don't want to say why are they not able to um, create the chances enough, but more like, like you were saying, why are the players that are stepping in not being able to be more ruthless um, in the final third? And, it's a question that probably answers itself um, in a Real Madrid sense where it's we're not spending enough money. <laughs> so um, 
yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, and I always feel bad for Marcos Asensio. Um, and the weird thing that has happened with Isco, where he's just completely fallen off too. Like just players that were expected to take over and kind of become the leaders of the team, at least from an attacking sense, it just hasn't happened. And and by no fault of Real Madrid trying, I think too. I I don't think that they were necessarily necessarily stagnant, but I think three years ago we would have expected Isco and Marco Asensio to be to be kind of the pillars of this of this um Real Madrid core. And in some ways they they were to a degree during the 2017-2018 period where they they had the Champions League runs and also the one La Liga run. It's not like they weren't important, but I don't know if Real Madrid did a good enough job of actually piecing together the players uh, for the future. They they really utilized what was working in the moment and I don't think had a long-term view, which in some ways is almost understandable because they won three Champions Leagues in a row. So I can, I can almost get it. But now they're in, a, they're in a difficult position because of those decisions they made about four years ago. So I don't know what players Real Madrid are going to bring in, but if I had to pick one position that they need to absolutely focus on this summer it's going to be striker right you can sign center backs from you know for lower cost and and get them for from the youth academy etc um kind of like some you know regulon and and your players like that have come up and etc you you can find those players in my opinion but striker for real madrid to deliver goals when it's needed <laughs> Right, clearly Jovic hasn't worked out in the short term. I do believe he'll be coming back and actually will probably be important once Benzema, you know, eventually retires or leaves. But they need they need another striker. You can't just have one striker for an entire season. And if I'm Real Madrid, I'm spending the cash on Holland versus Mbappe. I am a hundred percent spending on Holland over Mbappe because Mbappe is yes, I, we can all agree that he would be a world star at Real Madrid. At the same time, you have too many wingers. <laughs> you don't need more <laughs> wingers. You have Asensio. You have essentially Lucas Vasquez playing as a right wing back, if not right winger. You have Vinicius, who is basically the shitty FIFA 06 version of Ronaldinho. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, 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 I rest my case. But if that's if a, Real that's Madrid... a Volta, that's a Volta slash FIFA Street football star you're talking about there yeah 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 fifa street actually would have been a better correlation rather than just fifa 06 that's a, that's a good point yeah fifa street star venetius jr um but yes they have enough wingers and i'm not saying that they're good enough uh, and maybe they move them on but focus on one position goal scoring that striker that's real madrid rion oh should we take a break then and uh, come back and we'll talk about Atleti and, and do a little La Liga roundup? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Rian, let's talk a little Atleti. Back talking uh, the winning ways of Atleti as they went on this past weekend to beat Villarreal 2 to nil. Just. A game that really frustrated me, honestly, more than anything, because in my opinion, and I think Atleti fans would probably actually disagree with me, in my opinion, I don't think Atletico played that well. And I saw a lot of Atletico fans on Twitter basically saying if we played like we did against Villarreal, we would have won. Or, excuse me, against Chelsea, we would have won. And I honestly don't think that's the case. Um all all they did against Villarreal was they were just a much more compact low block. And I don't think that would have been the solution to solve all problems against Chelsea. But anyway, neither here nor there. Atletico still in first on 58 points in the league and a much needed win against Villarreal, right? It's Villarreal are a team that are eyeing top six, but right now are in pretty brutal form. Um, have not really at all stood the test of time. Uh, this season with Unai Emery. But it's it's just a game that Atletico needed to win after, you know, dropping several points in the last month. In fact, 
the direct correlation between Luis Suarez not scoring and his team dropping points. Luis Suarez last scored against Celta Vigo in their 2-2 draw. He scored a brace. That was back on February 8th. So conveniently, Atletico's next game is the Madrid Derby, in which Suarez will be able to go one day short of a month, <laughs> hopefully, in order to score against Real Madrid. But yeah, Rian, let's let's talk about Atletico Madrid for a second. Um, where where's our head at with with this team now? Now that they've got that one kind of needed jump. Yeah, like you said, it was a very much needed win. They're coming off a loss and a draw, both to Levante <laughs> in the span of four days. Because yep. um, <laughs> La Liga scheduling. Yeah, <laughs> it's just unreal. But um, yeah, this this team are the most overperforming team in terms of expected goals in the league more than anyone else. I mean, they're... They have 47 goals, but their XG for the season is at 40, about 36, right? And like you said, there, there's obviously a real drop-off there when Suarez is not scoring the goals. And more than just him being there and him scoring the goals because he's their striker, more of he's, at this moment, their only player on the team that can consistently finish half chances, right? And and can consistently finish like things that that aren't even really half chances, right? He's the best, obviously he's the best finisher on the team, but also there's just no one else in the team right now other than Drow Felix when he is literally allowed to play that can really be clinical in the box, right? And and we saw Jao Felix score over this weekend, and it was kind of an angry goal, right? Kind of a, kind of a bit of um, it felt like there was a bit of uh, angst towards um towards Diego Simeone there. And I think after the game, Diego Simeone said something like, uh, I, "I love, I like it when my parents, when my players are like upset at me or something like that, <laughs> or trying to prove a point to me or something like that." So, yeah, there's there's just still without Trippier. Still without consistent game time from uh, Yannick Carrasco. Yeah, this team looks looks a lot like old Atleti, but confused sometimes because they, they've been trying to evolve, right? And so it, it's a bit weird to go back and forth with them um, in a playing style sense. So, yeah, it, I, I still feel like that they will be able to just finish it off, but I do think they're going to limp. I, I think they'll limp to, to the end, honestly. Um, they're sitting five points up with the game in hand, and I can easily see that lead going down to something like three or four points in the next month. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to be comfortable um, in the last month or so of the season, and and I think they're going to have to really push towards the end of this season and because I, I think... I, I I think it's not impossible, obviously, that Barcelona or Real Madrid, if they can just get their players back on the field, um, to to overturn them. I think it's unlikely, but yeah, it, it feels like everything's a bit on a knife's edge for for Atleti right now. And one thing that I should probably mention about Atletico is that they still have to play Real Madrid. Sevilla and Barcelona. So all the other top four teams they have to play in um in Spain before the, the close of the season. Uh Real Madrid, I believe, do not have to, and Barcelona do not have to. Um there's there's one team, I think, for each that they don't have to play. But yeah, Atletico, they're not dominating the scoreline in the way that they were in the beginning of the season. What I mean is that those half chances that Suarez, Lorente, Jao Felix were scoring about a month and a half ago or and prior, they're not going in right now. Their XG is still amazing, right? Against Levante, for example, it was close to three and they still lost, but they're not actually finishing off some of those chances. And against Villarreal, they got a little luck, right? In the first place, the first goal was a, just a, such a weird own goal 
Um, and then, of course, the Zhao Felix uh, strike was actually really, really well hit. But I think just maybe a, te- a, a win against a team like Villarreal, who, yes, obviously have been struggling, but still nonetheless are a top six side, potentially, that is like a spark for, for a team like Atletico, especially going into a Madrid derby in which they absolutely need to prove that they can win La Liga. This is their this is their time to show that. So I think they will limp to to the La Liga title. I mean, I'm I'm like cautiously optimistic that they won't, but I I genuinely believe that they will win the, the La Liga title. But this weekend, Rian, the Madrid Derby is gonna tell us a lot about where the league is right now. Not I don't know if it'll tell us a lot about either team because I think nothing is gonna actually be proven in this game. But it will make a massive, massive difference. Either team winning will make a huge swing in in the league uh, standings. I mean, going from 58 points to 61 points with a game in hand is pretty impressive. So, Rian, who has the best chance to win a Madrid derby? I mean, we have to answer that question. I, look, I still think Adlady will be the favorites going into the game, as they should be. Um but you know it it feels like two teams who are not in a great moment in terms of form and also two teams who probably will not want to lose this will will more than wanting to open up to win will want to not lose this game especially from a, an Atletico side so i i think we're we're in for a nil-nil, maybe one-one draw, honestly. And that—that that is absolutely music to my ears. Because as a Barcelona fan, I would love nothing more than for both these teams to draw and only pick up a point. I—I um, I am leaning towards Atletico as well, but at the same time, I think it's going to depend on whether Benzema and/or Ramos start this game. I think there's a massive, massive difference like we just talked about if Benzema's on the field and serving as a point man, especially with Vinicius on his left. I think he Vinicius actually services Benzema very well. Um, so I, I think that if Benzema starts, I'm going to go with something like a 1-1 draw for this game. But if he doesn't start, I can absolutely see this being a, a 2-1 Atletico win. For example, I, I'm just not I'm not leaning towards Real Madrid winning this game just because I don't know if they'll even have the goals in them other than yeah. a scrappy potential late goal. But even then, you're playing against one of the better defenses uh, in, in Spain, bar what the last you know three weeks might be telling you. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a special moment will be needed for this game for, yeah. for the goals in this game. Right. Because, you know, as I said before, the, the teams don't come into both teams are not coming into this game at their highest confidence level or even close to it, probably. Um, so I, I think uh, there's going to need to be a special moment and, and it's who will it come from. And for Atleti, that answer has usually been Luis Suarez this season or, Joao Felix at times, uh, even Marcos Llorente, and even Alhan Correa, right? Those those are the guys who have who've come up with the special moments for them at, at different times this season, and that's what's going to be needed there. The Madrid side, yeah, they're, they're going to need Karen Benzema for that special moment, most likely, right? <laughs> it's, it's, we're not seeing else, it from yeah. anyone else for the most right. part. I mean, I, th- I thought, like, even... In their game, I thought Isco had a couple moments where he was where he was very good in the box and stuff, but you know, on a consistent basis and and someone that can actually be relied upon, they're missing that right now, Real. So yeah, I agree. This, I this agree. game will be a slog. I think this game will be a real <laughs> kind of. It'll be just probably nasty and not that fun for a neutral. But <laughs> well, nothing can get worse than the Chelsea United game the other day. So uh-huh. yeah, you, you still have something to look forward to, but yes, I think it will you say be... that. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, this will be much more entertaining. Um, I I'm still going to go with, 
in Atletico win if Benzema does not start. If Benzema starts, I'm going with a 1-1 draw. So I think that's probably the fairest way of an, <laughs> analyzing exactly what's going on in the Madrid derby. Um, what I am most interested in, though, this is my last point on, on the Madrid derby specifically, I'm very interested to see who wins the goalkeeper battle. I think you're you're talking about two of the top four or five keepers in the world right now, in Oblak and Courtois. And we saw Oblak, especially against Villarreal, kind of get pissed off almost against or at this Atletico back line when they made mistakes, when there were just unnecessary <laughs> shots on target. Because Villarreal genuinely had a chance to put this game away. They had a chance to to make it tight, to even put a goal past Atletico to, to put them in the lead. But I'm very, very curious how both these goalkeepers play against their respective uh, opponents in, in the attacking front threes. So I, I don't I don't know what to expect. I really don't. I think Courtois had a good season, maybe not as great as last season comparatively. Um, Oblak, I think I would probably say the same thing about. But it may come down to maybe who's the better keeper. Just a thought. <laughs> anyway right, from, from there so shall we touch on what's been going on and around the league and look at the uh correct me if i'm wrong pichichi yes ah uh, my favorite my favorite yes. trophy because it's always won by one person basically every year <laughs> yes the pichichi rian let's talk a little bit about how the rest of spain is doing I probably don't even have to mention that, yes, Lionel Messi is in the lead with 19 goals on the year in La Liga specifically. Started off pretty underwhelmingly by an XG point of view, as Rian would love to say. Um, and even probably by his own standards, uh, was not performing as highly. But he has absolutely roared back and has the highest goal tally in 2021, highest goals and assist tally in 2021. Completely different from the, the year prior. The only other players that really are in contention for him, Kareem Benzema isn't even in the top three right now, um, largely due to injury, of course. He's on 12 goals. But Luis Suarez, like we've talked about, on 16 goals, although he has not scored in the league, like I mentioned, for about a month, does have room to make up against uh, against Messi, and, and I think that he might be able to close the gap. I don't know if he's going to win. Um, Gerard Moreno and Yusuf El Nassiri are the two that I really wanted to touch on quickly because Gerard Moreno is basically saving Villarreal at this point. I've, I'm convinced that he's potentially going to save Unai Emery's job. Him him and Chukweze. Those two, I think, are going to save his job. Um, but Gerard Moreno, who has been all over the place for Villarreal uh, in the most positive way, 14 goals on the season. It's just a shame that he couldn't put one past against Atletico because he had he had by far the best chance of the game yeah. in what should have been, I think he was falling over and I was saying, why don't you shoot that with your left foot? But it was like a weird <laughs> header that. Yeah. He, he's like up... stretching to, to just get something on it. In the end, it's actually a really good save. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly from, from Oblot, but, but yeah, that's, it was, he was close. I love him. He's, he's, uh, he kind of has a very similar game to, uh, um, Alvaro Morata, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, I see. It. In terms of like his full being a full, well-rounded center forward, and has no problem going out to the wing to receive the ball and and play in someone else who's running in, and it, he's just a lovely player, honestly. Um, yeah, just lovely, lovely player. He's looked really good for the Spanish national team too, and during the last year, and so. I'll be really interested to see what his role is for Spain in the summer. That is, and I was listening to um, Sid Lowe's podcast this week. And one of the questions that someone had asked him is who is most likely to be the starting striker for Spain this summer at the Euros. And it's really between Alvaro Morata and Gerard Moreno. I don't think Adama Traore or anyone like that is in the conversation. Um, Maybe Ansu Fati as a, as a left winger, you know, when he comes back from injury, hopefully next month. But it's really between Morata and Moreno, and both will likely go. So yeah. Moreno, again, consistently having a great, great season. 
uh, great last two seasons. And I'm, I've said this to Rian offline. I'm shocked that no Premier League club has come to look at him uh, to take him. Uh, like, uh, probably mid-table to maybe top six side. He would be yeah. an amazing signing for... Any side that, that might be trying to break into the top six. And, and mm-hmm. yeah. But... 100%. 100%. This is the player for you. But, again, no one listens to me. But <laughs> last player I'll mention, Yusuf El-Nasiri. No, um, El-Nasiri. I should not say El-Nasiri. Uh, on 13 goals. He started the season off really hot for Sevilla. And up until basically a month ago, has killed it and then massive massive goal drought since then it's the weirdest thing i actually don't know if i have an explanation for it other than it weirdly coincided with ocampos's injury it's almost like those two really fed off each other and ocampos is absolutely a player that makes runs basically in the half spaces uh on on the edge of the 18 yard box and fed ocampos those balls in behind the defensive line or uh, and the siri those balls behind the defensive line and that's missing right now for them. Ocampos' first game back uh, from injury, that brutal injury that he got against Hatafe, of course, Hatafe. First game back was against. <laughs> yeah. uh... <laughs> a disgusting, a disgusting challenge, by the way. Like, an absolutely, yeah. an absolutely disgusting challenge. Oh, it was awful. If, if you get a chance to actually go back, and I would recommend that all of you do. Go back and watch that challenge, uh, you know, on a compost by Hitafe. I forget who who it was, but it was actually horrific. But anyway, Yusuf Nasiri, if he does want to break into the top five, or stay, I should say, stay in the top five right now for for goals, he's got to start getting back in tandem with Lucas Ocampos, in my opinion. Otherwise, Luke De Jong is really going to be become the starting, you know, center forward again. Right. Um, so that that is generally the the table and one player that I cannot wait to see what happens between now and then the season because he is tied on goals with Kareem Benzema. Funny enough, he is tied on appearances with Kareem Benzema, although different number of minutes. Twelve goals for Alexander Isak. Something to think about for Real Sociedad. Also in the same way as Gerard Moreno probably saving their season. So that makes up a uh, little Pachichi roundup, Real. <laughs> nice. So, Elias, speaking of saving Villarreal's ass, Gerard <laughs> Moreno, speak to me about, about Villarreal these past few weeks. You said you might be saving Unai Emery's job, and maybe you wouldn't be wrong because they have not won a game since January 8th. They, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have five draws and two losses since then. And they look they look like they're not gonna put up any real fight for the top four. No. No, I think I think absolutely top four is out of reach for Villarreal. I think maybe, maybe they have a chance of going through um in in the Europa League against the Dinamo Kiev next week. I mean they did I will have to say pretty well against Salzburg, right? The yeah. outside of the league they did beat Salzburg. I would say relatively handedly. Um, if, if Unai Emery knows how to win in any competition, like Europa League is, he can go to sleep. He could sleep through those games and and have the perfect tactic set up to to go <laughs> deep in the Europa League. Like he, he knows how to win that competition. That they're yeah, not yeah, worried yeah. about that. <laughs> oh yeah, funny funny side note, real quick. After the Sevilla game against Barcelona in in the Copa del Rey yesterday. Apparently, Rakitic came up to Messi and was, like, poking fun at him because he was like, ah, oh, yes, you've won everything. There's one trophy that you will never have, and that's the Europa League. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but, yes, anyway, back to Villarreal. Yes, I, I think that they do have a chance against Dinamo Kiev in the Europa League, but more importantly, their La Liga form has been, I think, nothing short of booty cheeks. And... That solely reflects on Unai Emery. I, I genuinely don't believe that there's anything wrong with the actual squad. I think that they've made wonderful signings slash adjustments, I would say, tactically, over the summer and into the early fall, which is why they were a top-four team earlier this year. But since then, and since the turn of the year, really since that Celta-Figo game, which they pummeled them 4-0, it's been basically downhill. Too many draws, not enough tenacity, 
and Chukweze and Gerard Moreno really look like they're their best players. Um, and I was just sad to see them miss so many great chances against Atletico Madrid, which has basically been an encapsulation of how their season's gone uh, in, in the last two months because they could have changed a lot of these games and a lot of these results. And that would have yielded probably somewhat some something close to four to six additional points on uh, over the last two months. And that's that's significant in a in a top four race. It is. And Elias, to round it off today, I know you want to touch a bit on Real Betis in their in their recent form. Since the beginning of the year, they have only lost one game in the in uh, who, and then uh, and who was that too? <laughs> it, it is to Barcelona, of yes, course. Yes. <laughs> but uh outside of that, they have the fourth most points in the league since then. They're sitting third in XG and have made it up to fifth in the or sorry, uh, I should say sixth in the league above Villarreal in that same time right. span, who who they beat actually a couple weeks ago. So Elias they're nine points off of fourth, so again, it might be difficult for them to challenge strong for that position, but this looks like a team that has a great chance to get into Europa League next season, right? Yeah, this they absolutely do. I think that's what Real Batiste's goal, um, hashtag always watch Batiste is now a trending hashtag on Twitter, um, but <laughs> they absolutely have a chance to to become a Europa League side, right? Beating Villarreal was a massive, massive win for them, albeit, I mean, a, a game that Villarreal really should not have lost. Um, I'm not saying that they were completely in control, but they they did have a decent game. Um, but Real Betis have been on a great run of form, and in that Barcelona game that they lost, they were closer to tying or winning than they were losing. It was only a last moment of brilliance that really took them through. Nabil Fakir, again, has still been instrumental in this side. Uh, of course, when he's healthy, there have been moments where he's not been the season. But Real Batiste continue to show that they have this this fighting spirit. I don't know what it is about this team, but there's a unity about this team that you just cannot deny. And that's really what's been driving them. It, it, they have very talented players. Santi Mina really being the shining beacon for, for Real Batiste this season on seven goals. But most importantly is that their their midfield cohesion is just... It's fantastic. Even even Borja Iglesias has not, I think, probably been to where he wants to be this season. Um, but, yeah, Canales, I would say, um, Fekir, yeah, have, have all had st- not stunning seasons, but good seasons, especially in the last, let's say, two months again. With, with Fekir, such a great what if slash sliding doors moment a few years ago <laughs> when he almost goes to Liverpool and yeah. that transfer is doesn't happen because of they have fears of uh, I think knee injuries with him in the past and um, just his general injury record right and since he's gone to Batiste he has not had nearly the injury issues that anyone would have expected and he's, no. and he's actually yeah, been yeah. really durable for them so I, I just think that's really it, now, who knows what, what the team would have looked like um, in Liverpool if they had Nabil Fakir, but, but that's just, I, I, that's just yeah. an interesting moment. That's just an interesting moment. I mean, I feel like he could have played, he could have played the same position as Firmino, you know? Um, Maybe, but, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's just uh, funny, how, funny how this stuff works. It really is, yeah. He, he, could have, he could have been a starter for Liverpool back a couple of years ago when they were kind of starting up on the rebuild. He absolutely could have, uh, but he's he's killing it right now. Real Betis. I don't know if he'll make another move away, um, just given his age and well, he's really not that old. But maybe given status of Real Betis, I think they'll probably want to hang on to him. But he is he is a starlet for this side. And with that, Elias, I think that's all we've got for today. Although I I am a little interested on the news about Bartomeu at, at Barcelona. <laughs> and and if and we don't have to go into it too much, but if you have like a 60, 60 seconds, very high level explanation of what is going on right now at Barcelona. Um well not it's not necessarily Barcelona anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona's former president, Joseph Bartomeu, who was arrested 
last week. Yeah. Just to recap, um, Bartomeu um, was one of four Barcelona officials arrested uh, earlier this week. And that was all in conjunction to a basically what they're calling Barca Gate, which is Bartomeu and everyone is so original. Yeah. We had yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. was like what, almost 40, like 40 years ago. <laughs> and since then, everyone has just unilaterally decided that any controversy, we're just throwing gate to the end of it because <laughs> why would we come up with anything else? It has that Sorry. connotation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 100% true. But basically, Bar- Bartomeu and uh, a few others at the club hired a social media consulting firm to smear Bartomeu's opponents as well as members of the club and players on social media um, and paid them in installments of slightly under, I believe, 200, 250K each, something like five or six times. And the reason why that's important is because it falls just under the threshold of what requires board approval for uh, for payments uh, that large. So to, to outside the club. So... It's uh yeah, it's definitely not a good look for for Bartomeu because there was money laundering, corruption involved. Just goes to show you how damaged this club really is when it comes to their image. So the last thing I'll mention is that we've got uh wow, I can't believe I'm saying this, but presidential elections this upcoming Sunday Sunday to find out who the next president of Barcelona will be. And all favorites, all signs point to Joan Laporta, but Euphrasia and uh, Victor Font are the other the others. So if you're interested in uh, doing a little research there, they're uh, very active on Twitter. And I think that just about wraps up everything for, for this week from La Liga. Elise, oh. you want to play us out? Yes. Thank you, as always, everyone, for uh, for listening to my and Rian Rant's Rian's rants about Spain and La Liga, England, whatever it is. We'll be back uh, after the weekend's games and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Thanks, guys.